KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, February 5th. The Navy releases a new report on racial bias. We'll have that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Scripps Research and the company Iavi announced a breakthrough in curing HIV. They say a new HIV vaccine was successful in its first clinical trials. The trial results mark a big step in what has been a 40-year journey to find a cure. There were a couple thousand open COVID-19 vaccination appointments at the downtown Superstation yesterday. The site is run by UC San Diego Health with support from the county. County officials say they have the infrastructure to deliver 20,000 total vaccines a day, but they only have the supply for half of that. This, as San Diego County Public Health officials reported more than 1,500 new COVID-19 infections on Thursday and 55 additional deaths. Judge David Carter held a hearing from a folding table and chair outside a shelter in Los Angeles' Skid Row on Thursday. The case he's presiding over is accusing the city and county of Los Angeles of failing to address the homelessness crisis or the desperate conditions homeless people face. Judge Carter says he held the hearing by Skid Row because he worries people are, quote, not seeing and feeling the reality on the ground. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. The Navy has come out with its long-awaited report on racial bias. Task Force One Navy was created in June, after the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says despite critics saying the effort feels watered down, Navy leadership says they intend to create lasting change. There are only a handful of African-American admirals or flag officers in the Navy, and few people of color in some of the Navy's most celebrated communities, such as naval aviation, where the head of the task force, Rear Admiral Alvin Halsey, is from. I tell you, being here one of at this point one of eight black flag officers in the Navy, it's a lonely spot. I think the Navy's committed. I think we can uh, make some gain some ground here in what we're doing. The task force worried that their effort to root out discrimination would be caught up in the past administration's targeting of diversity training, says Dr. Charles Barber. He's the consultant who worked on the report. Some things will now be put back into the draft, he says, with a new attitude at the White House. Like, well, just we had training that kind of talked about bias. We we had some some content that did talk a little bit about uh, the concepts of, of, of white privilege and how discussions center around, you know, white privilege. So those are the things that we want to put back in. Critics say the report stresses inclusion and diversity, but didn't look more directly at overt racism. John Clark is a recently retired commander who writes about his experience as an African-American in the Navy. To me, what was disappointing, what was not in the report, uh, there was not a 
direct discussion of de facto racism and segregation of the current state of the Navy and why we are where we are. A recently released 2017 Pentagon survey showed roughly one in five sailors and officers experienced racial or ethnic discrimination or harassment that year. More than any other service, Clark says the Navy's process for filing discrimination complaints is broken. We have people in our, in our services that don't want racism in our ranks, and they are willing to step up and root it out and speak up. But at the same time, you have some other people, mainly older white men, that want to retain that position of power. Unlike a similar report at the Pentagon level, the Navy didn't address hate groups in the ranks. The report did look at reforms in Navy justice, but didn't recommend specific changes. In the early 1970s, during a period of racial unrest in the country and within the Navy itself, the head of the Navy, Admiral Zumwalt, is credited with a push to better integrate women and people of color into the service. Barber, the Navy's consultant, admits that many of the reports that followed have sat on the shelf, but he plans to stay on to administer their findings, which are based on dozens of focus groups held behind closed doors with sailors. You need to be able to continuously diagnose these things, look at those gaps, and, and, and prescribe get-well plans. We're continuously looking at culture over time, so that way we can continuously make, make some progress. We don't want to keep talking about this stuff years and years from now. Rear Admiral Halsey, the leader of the task force, says a top priority now is to bring in more people of color and women into leadership roles. It's not a one and done. So imagine every six months, this, this issue's not going to go away. It's going to be a bit better in our, our training uh, throughout the, uh, the life of a sailor, and now senior leaders are being constantly engaged and, and pushing the trigger levers on this. And he says the problems won't go away because of a change in administration or the recent confirmation of the first African-American Secretary of Defense. For the Navy, it's all about readiness, he says. People who cannot trust one another cannot easily come together when it comes time to fight. That story from KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The Poway Unified School District is considering leasing a vacant lot to Costco. But residents don't like the idea and they're suing. iNewsource investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman has more. The 27-acre lot at Camino del Sur in Carmel Valley Road is surrounded by homes, a church, and not much else. Years ago, the land was set aside for a future middle school. Now, Poway Unified says leasing the land to Costco instead would help the district's multi-million dollar deficit. But residents say they haven't been included in the process. You don't do this to your constituents and to the community and not be responsible or not communicate with them about it. Gianni Nguyen is part of Protect Our Community Now, the nonprofit formed to oppose the Costco deal and says the retail giant's offer undervalues the land. The group also filed a lawsuit accusing the district of violating the state's open meeting law. Poway Unified declined to comment on the litigation, but told iNewsource they're working to keep residents informed. David Snyder, head of the First Amendment Coalition, says that's what public agencies should be doing. They're acting as representatives for the public. They ought to be telling the public as much as possible about what they're doing. The district has scheduled two meetings on the project next month. That was iNewsource investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. 
Since the pandemic started, unemployment benefits in California have been bogged down with improper distribution and fraudulent claims. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says state lawmakers recently announced plans to fix things. Assemblymember Lorena Gonzalez was one of nine assembly members who came together Thursday to unveil a package on reforming the state's employment development department. Gonzalez proposed a bill called AB 74 to expand options for people to receive their benefits in forms other than Bank of America debit cards. They should continue to be able to have that direct deposit, cut out the middleman if they so choose. Um, if they choose to have the Bank of America debit card, that's fine. And if they choose to have a paper check, they should be able to have that choice as well. Since March of 2020, the Employment Development Department has paid more than $11 billion in claims to people who didn't verify their identity, which the department says is likely fraud. And that story from KPBS's Jacob Bear. Union workers who clean up inside San Diego's main airport are pressing state officials to move them up in the vaccination list. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. They carried signs, wore purple shirts, but mostly remained socially distanced and silent. But they had a message to deliver, give us the vaccine. San Diego union official Genevieve Aguilar says union workers are at risk of contracting COVID every day. And she says that's frightening. You're not going to come back to home to your family, and you're the only provider. And I think that's the most difficult part. It's a scary moment. We're not, we're not asking for a lot. We're just asking to be alive. The Service Employees International Union has 3,000 local members. They want the governor to move them up on the essential worker vaccine list. Protests also happened at airports in Los Angeles and Oakland. And that story from KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Some big changes are coming for people who inherit property from their parents and grandparents. And it's all thanks to Proposition 19, approved by California voters last November. KPBS's John Carroll has more. If you're going to leave your home or business to your children or grandchildren, February 16th is an important date to keep in mind. That's when certain provisions of Prop 19 take effect. A big one centers around inherited property. Jordan Marks is the taxpayer advocate with the county assessor's office. We're going to see the slim down of the parent-to-child transfer benefit. And so subsequent to that, you can't give your kids a second property or commercial property, part of that family wealth building but you will be able to pass them your primary residence with a limit of a million of market value above what you're currently paying right now. Children or grandchildren who don't live in an inherited home will see their property taxes convert to the current valuation, potentially meaning thousands more in taxes. A virtual town hall is being held on Friday at noon to answer your questions. Information on how to pre-register is on our website. And that was KPBS's John Carroll. Coming up, what growing up on both sides of the border means for San Diego's first Latina supervisor. We'll have that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, 
healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. San Diego County Supervisor Nora Vargas is the first Latina and immigrant to be on the board. As part of a collaboration with PRI's The World, KPBS's reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler looks at how growing up on both sides of the border has shaped Vargas's political perspective. Happy Sunday from National City, where it's actually raining a lot, but I'm knocking on doors because I know that this election is super important. Nora Vargas walked in the rain in National City going door-to-door, asking people to support her campaign. This was during the primary elections last year. She was running for County Board of Supervisors, where there hadn't been a competitive election in 25 years. So when Vargas would show up at her neighbor's doors asking for their vote, it took some trust building. Folks in the community told me, and, and mostly in Spanish, right, we're going to give you a chance. And you and, and they would call me Norita. My name is Nora, but for some reason they all, like, you know, all, all the older ladies would call me Norita. And they're like, you know, Norita, we're going to give you a chance, but we're going to be watching because politicians come here, they ask us for things, and then they never come back. And I think that's the piece that's really important, right? We have to deliver for our communities. Latinos in San Diego County had never been elected to the Board of Supervisors in a county where they make up 33% of the population. But that changed in November's election. The results are showing Nora Vargas with a healthy lead at 54.5%. Vargas was born in Tijuana. Her mother was a U.S. citizen, her father a Mexican citizen. Going back and forth between two nations is where she believes her political journey began. I think when I realized that I was in a very unique state because I was able to cross the border and that's when it hit me. What can I do to make the world better for other people? And I think it's politics was an, an avenue for me to do that. For Latinas in San Diego, there wasn't a roadmap to political power. So Vargas had to look elsewhere. To be a Mexicana, a Latina, and then later on, what my friends would say, an honorary Chicana. I really count my blessings that I grew up in a family where going out away to college was actually encouraged, that I needed to see the world. Watching her own mother work in local nonprofits and her grandmother run a cross-border business, she told me they were unintentional feminists a perspective she brought to a Jesuit university in San Francisco. Having those conversations about what feminism was and what women's rights were, and then me trying to figure out, well, what does that mean to communities of color and for people who don't have access or opportunities? Vargas found a place at Planned Parenthood, where she eventually became an executive. You know, I was a patient at Planned Parenthood in my household. We didn't talk about sex or sexuality, reproductive health. There was a lot of myths in the Latino community. There's a lot of taboo around speaking about sexuality. Uh, it was eye-opening for me that these services were available for, for, for young women. But her experience at Planned Parenthood and as community college board president pales in comparison to the job ahead of her, dealing with the economic and healthcare fallout of the pandemic. Board Chairman Nathan Fletcher says he believes Vargas is in the most difficult position on the board. The burden she faces is she has to work harder to give voice and perspective to the community she represents that have never had a representation of the same level uh, to do more. Vargas believes that reaching the community in ways they'll not only understand, but also trust, is the key to ending the pandemic in Latino border communities. I'm talking and then I can do code switch like that and I can empiezo a platicar en español y por qué las cosas son importantes. And I, I think that, like, I, th- I did it today, right? We were talking about environmental justice and some of the work that we're doing because language shouldn't be a barrier. And I, and I started getting texts from folks saying, like, 
thank you for doing that. It means the world to them. But, you know, it's it's who I am. It's my community. And I want them to understand that they're being heard. For Vargas, activating the next generation of Latina leaders is the most important part of her journey. She's hired several young community organizers to work for her. I really want to make sure that it's not as hard as it was for me. My commitment is to try to make sure that the system is really shaken so that the opportunities are there for women and communities of color to rise. That story from KPBS's Max Revlin-Nadler in collaboration with PRI's The World. And for our art segment today, moviegoers have had limited options in recent months. You basically have to watch at home or go to a drive-in. But tonight, Cinema Under the Stars in Golden Hill reopens to screen Alfred Hitchcock's espionage love story, Notorious. KPBS film critic Beth Accomando has more. Doug Yeagley's charming and magical Cinema Under the Stars has been closed since December. But with COVID-19 cases dropping, he was relieved to see the state declare last Monday that some businesses, including an outdoor venue like his, could reopen. So this weekend, he turns to a cinema classic to entice people out of quarantine to come watch Cary Grant seduce a notorious Ingrid Bergman into a dangerous game of espionage. It's nice out here. Let's not go out for dinner. Let's stay here. We have to eat. That famous kiss scene in Notorious faced restrictive 1940s censorship rules that said a kiss could only last three seconds. But director Alfred Hitchcock had a clever solution. Simply have his gorgeous stars engage in a series of three-second kisses in a tight two-shot to steam up audiences. In addition to the heat generated on screen, Cinema Under the Stars will warm audiences with heaters. And if there's rain, a retractable roof will be pulled out to cover the cinema and keep everyone dry. There are safety rules in place as well. People are required to wear masks, and seating capacity has been reduced, so seats can be socially distanced in pairs. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.